like no teacher wants to not do right by their student. But now that we're learning that maybe we weren't doing right by them, what do we do now? Is we didn't have something that students were able to navigate them themselves and own that. Together and read it and went like this. And like had this shocked look on their face, like, did I just do that? And I was like, yeah, you just read that word, keep going. It's called a teaching practice for a reason. That it's not just something you kind of quickly put in place and then walk away. It's something that you have to support and commit to and, you know, grow. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us again today on the One SMFC podcast. This is a program that we put together here in the San Mateo Foster City School District. We do it actually to get in touch with our families and with our community. We want everybody who has a stake in this school district to know what's going on in our schools. My name is Diego Ochoa and I'm the superintendent of the district and it's my honor to be with three of my colleagues who I'm going to allow to introduce themselves, starting with our Director of Curriculum. Hi, everybody. Pam Bartfield, Director of Curriculum Instruction for our elementary schools. Yeah, why did I try to chop your I title know. in half? I don't know. You happened? can. It's fine. Okay. People know. Yeah. <laughs> this is your 14th appearance on the bottom. <laughs> so you're an old pro. Yeah, you an know old that. Pro. Okay. My name is Nicole Habib, and I'm the Language and Literacy Tosa at Beresford. Yay! Such so as if you haven't here. been to Beresford, go to Beresford. If you want some, place. yeah, exactly. If you want some uh, social emotional support, just go for a lovely walk up and down the playground. It's just an absolutely wonderful place, and and glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you. My name is Larissa Kenny. I'm the Language and Literacy Tosa at Bayside Academy. So we're gonna have some parents who listen to this and say, Tosa. Larissa, do you want to explain what that is? Um, ATOSA is uh, an acronym for Teacher on Special Assignment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so basically, um, Nicole and I, I'm sharing that same role at two different sites. We both um, specialize in language and support literacy instruction um, at our sites in the elementary side. So Bayside is also a middle school, but I primarily focus on working with the elementary side and I think you might Larissa you might have let's say 18 elementary teachers at at Bayside something like that so in a typical elementary teachers day they might have 22 23 24 kids that they have all day long and they're on their roster they're taking attendance your job is different right you're not um, you don't have that roster of kids who start the day with you and end the day with you no I don't have my own like um, classroom attendance roster. roster yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't take attendance for a class of kids that are with me all day. Right. Um, I um, I have kids who move in and out of working with me across grade levels from K to third grade. Yeah. Pam, you're the director of curriculum and instruction. Why do that? Why do we set up the system of having experts like Nicole and Larissa be? I guess, flexible in that way to be able to work with kids who might need more support. Why do we do that? To move with the students. Um, part of our strategy in having these language and literacy toasts across of our across our school sites is to support teachers and support students with intervention, tier one instruction, coaching, modeling, whatever the need is at the school. Um, after we assess students, when we implement our program, 
students have different needs. And so the TOSA's role needs to be flexible to be able to provide that. In some cases, and I, I know Nicole and Larissa, they sometimes act as a additional teacher at that grade level. So during the literacy time when we're focusing on our structured literacy program, they might be working with a group of students while um, another teacher is working with a different group of students so we can meet the students where they are. So Nicole, to use Beresford as an example, you might have, let's say, 40 kids in second grade and you have two teachers teaching those 40 kids. Are there times where you might have a group out of that 40 and what might you do with those kids? Yeah. I mean, so we, we're, we're very grateful that we have a lot of supports, and I'll kind of talk about who they are on campus, but yeah. we really are, um, through the support of PAM and as a program, we're really looking at all students are our students instead right. of like, this is just this classroom or this is just for this teacher or this is just this grade level. We're really starting to look at every one of these students in our school belongs to all of us and the responsibility of their success is a part of all of our responsibility, whether we're a kindergarten teacher or fifth grade. And so when we go into a second grade you know, classroom or grade level and we have those 40 students, we're really looking at the data to help us drive how we put these students into groups. And yeah, so they so may you not might all actually, be second graders. Right, and you might have kids from multiple teachers exactly. in a group with you. Right, and it takes a lot of trust, right? Because yeah. all of us care so deeply about the students that are in our four walls of our classroom, but we are building the trust within each other so that we can send some students over to another classroom um, and then I'm you know, earning their trust that they can also send them to me. And it's true that in our profession, you do feel a little bit of that ownership. Like I, when I was a teacher, I would say my kids, you know, like and and I think sometimes we actually take that literally like these are my students. You my students don't leave my classroom without me. We're setting up some possibilities of kids being able to go next door and be in a group in Mrs. Kenny's class or go down the hall and be in Mrs. Habib's class. And and the event that we have coming up February 8th is our first grade teachers literacy summit that we're hosting in San Mateo and Foster City School District. And in some ways, it's sort of similar to what we just talked about in that we're inviting teachers. Pam, do you know the districts that are that are going to be represented who are coming to visit us? Yeah, so far we have, I think, 11 different districts. Um, and teachers from and those And teachers districts. from those districts. So we have Redwood City, Hillsborough, Hayward, Palo Alto, Santa Cruz, Monterey. San Bruno. San Bruno, Pacifica. Yeah. Cabrillo, Cabrillo. A bunch yeah, of districts. A yeah, a bunch of them. And, and so, you know, these are folks that teach kids who live in different cities, but they're coming to our district to find out what we're doing in our first grade classrooms. Nicole, when they get here, what are they going to see? They're going to see, first and foremost, a lot of passion. I think there's every every teacher, especially with um, PATH, our new you know reading um, program that we're using, um, every teacher has made it their own, but also is really trying to be lock and step with a lot of the language and the way that we're facilitating the learning. So I think that no matter what school site our guests are coming to, they're going to see a lot of consistency, which is important, especially for our students that are multilingual or have different you know, other factors that no matter where they, they go, there's going to be a lot of consistency for those students. Right. You'll see a lot of, lot of passion in the, in the lessons and fun. Yeah, and joy. They're, they're, all <laughs> they're all looking online and they're seeing these videos we put out just the other day. Larissa, you're somewhat of a star in the community right now. You've got a video with a first grade teacher from... Bayside, the school, the school that you're serving um, this year, and and um, you know the instruction that's happening in that first grade classroom, it's different than what we would have seen five years ago. Can you talk a little bit about that difference? 
Um, yeah, I, um, so the first grade teacher that I kind of was like, hey, let's do this filming in your classroom. She's a first year teacher, brand new to California. She came here from another state um, and it's her first year teaching. Um, and I kind of told her, hey, we're going to just don't worry. There will be music <laughs> overlaid. You don't have to talk. It's and and then it turned into something different. But she's um, she's amazing. And I think that actually it's it's interesting to me because I never really had the conversation with her before we started working together. Like, what's your background in literacy? What did it look like where you did your student teaching and what was the you know curriculum classes that you took in in college when you were getting your credential and um, she she definitely like there was evidence of her coming from very much a balanced literacy instruction um, background in her you know practicum and things like that. And that would have meant significantly less instruction in phonics and in mm-hmm. phonemic awareness and things like that. Yeah, I mean teaching kids to read um, and using the cueing system, which is just talking to them about meaning, structure, visual. Does it make sense? Look at the first sound and not really talking about decoding and letter sounds and um and that's a big debate right now mm-hmm. in education i think ed source published an article today mm-hmm. about berkeley unified school district they've had a hard time making the shift from balanced literacy to structured literacy and we mean that change two years ago mm-hmm. and i um i actually came from san francisco unified where okay. we were all balanced literacy hey, hey, hey. and i was a literacy coach there for 10 years and, and so how did we that so I was, but but I was slowly making those shifts while yeah. I was still there. Because actually, of one of our teachers that we interviewed in this in earlier today said the same thing. Mm-hmm. She actually she was afterwards. She said, "Is it okay that I said that?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, we like the controversy." <laughs> so tell you were already starting to see we need because to do I, some. I I had all these kids in front of me for so long, and I would watch them in the classrooms, and we'd be doing the same instruction, and we would be looking at data and thinking about what can we do differently and we weren't doing it differently enough we were making subtle changes but we were doing the same things over and over again and getting the same results yeah and so for me with some of my other colleagues there we started to really look at um other ways and and we did um foundations right up there some of us and so we were starting to implement some of those things. And then when I came here, well, we were still using LLI and stuff. Um, as soon as we talked about making the shift and, and like, oh, if you want to take the Orton-Gillingham training, which is a structured literacy right. training mm-hmm. program, I was like, yes. And that like, was like my was, first week on the job. <laughs> yeah, I was like did 100%. You know, did you know that story, I Nicole? That. I did not. Yeah. I participated. No, no, yeah. it was my first <laughs> yes. week on the job. I, you know, when I came, you know, when you joined the district as a superintendent, you do a lot of research. And, you know, I was sort of anticipating we would arrive at some place where I would be in a meeting where we would say, are we going to stick with this? Are we going to consider a change? And, and it happened really fast. A group of teachers from Meadow Heights and Park reached out to me and said, we need to do this. We need training. And I said, okay, that was actually the first Canva I sent out it, to the I whole think district. It was. It's mm-hmm. the most horrifying. <laughs> Any graphic designer would give it an F, a capital F grade. <laughs> but we said, no, let's send this out. A hundred teachers signed up. A hundred mm-hmm. teachers. On their, on their own time. Yes. Over summer. So I said, we really have something here. We, you know, it was sort of like, you know, a reflection of what you were talking about. And 
and that feeling of I do this and I kind of get the same result. I do this and I still see the lack of growth. What do you think has been the hardest part of implementing a new curriculum? Because we we substituted the stress and the struggle of not making the kind of progress that we had hoped with. We're going to do something completely new. So from your perspective, Larissa, what has been the hardest part of the shift that we made? I am I'm really lucky because the at, at my site at Bayside there there was already a a, a, co- a collaboration like there was a lot of collaboration happening like with grade level partnerships and um, and so I being being part of that has really helped facilitate kind of and and also all the teachers at the time did the OG training yeah so that was they they had buy in too. Um, and I think one of the ch- most challenging parts was we had a teacher shift from an upper grade um, down to second grade this year, um, and she's phenomenal at teaching benchmark. She really is. Um, but I think it's been a hard shift for her. But I will say that we were just looking at data because we had our most recent, and so I pulled data um, and was doing that right before I came here, and we looked at, in first grade and second grade, the, the two teams met with me, and we looked at the data of that we just and you saw collected. some right and she was she was like I just have to talk about the growth that these students have made and and she she and I share the most struggling right. leaders in that grade in second grade and so she was just she was just bragging about it and yeah. so it I feel like it just took that for her to really because she was like this isn't really that it's it's not the most dynamic thing to teach right I, I get that um, but at the same time, when you see it's methodical. Yeah, right. but when you see when you see that to have her see that, I was like, oh, now she's it, you got like, yeah, got you her. got the passion got unlocked. <laughs> but the the thing I always find interesting about um, that comment around you know it is methodical, but kids and, and you in any of our classrooms, they love it. They love it because it is methodical and it's routine, and they can actually lift the words off the page, mm-hmm. which I think gets them the most excited because I think for years, and I was a teacher in the district too and um, years ago, and, and I think we always were looking at our students and we try, you know, we did the best we could with the way we were taught to teach reading. And we had many students that just were not learning how to read and we didn't know what to do. And we just did, like you said, Larissa, did the same thing over and over and it wasn't working. And now we go in classrooms and we see students going, oh, I could read that. Right from the beginning, like the first week they're in the program, or like the first couple of weeks, they learn three sounds, k, at, and they learn how to read cat. Yeah. I mean, so that's how it moves. And then it goes from there. It's really exciting. I, I have a little anecdote of a kid that I was assessing on the test for single word reading. And, and it was um, a younger kid, and they sat down to read the words. And they, you know, blended the word together and read it and went like this. And, like, had this shocked look on their face. Like, did I just do that? And I was like, yeah, you just read that word. Keep going, you know. And it, But it was just, like, one of those things that just, like, touches my heart because that kid maybe didn't think they were a reader and they were going to leave that space knowing that they were reading. Yeah, in our profession, it's literally watching the light bulb turn on. Mm-hmm. Nicole, do you see the same thing at your school? Definitely. And going back to like, your question about what was sort of the hardest thing, and I think one of the hardest things for my colleagues was releasing the guilt of 
you know, no teacher in the podcast uh, told a story. She talks about like no teacher wants to not do right by their student. But now that we're learning that maybe we weren't doing right by them, what do we do now? And we all had to sit in that space for a little bit and kind of reflect on what we were feeling. And then also knowing that when we know better, we're going to do better. And so that was one of the hardest kind of challenging pieces of pushing through and then moving on to now it's move into action. Yeah, giving permission to move on from it. Definitely. Um, and yeah, and so we're continuing to see that the growth. And I think the other part is that we didn't have before sort of the autonomy and then the accountability piece for each student to track on their own. Right. And PATH really allows students to visually see their growth. So they'll be in a book called Pals, which is the second yeah. book in the series. And then they say, okay, what am I getting to Dragons, which is the last book. And what they're really saying, they're not really just trying to collect them all like Pokemon, but they're really saying like, when can I read that book? I want access to it because now I, I believe that I can get there. And so I think that has been a really cool shift to see. Whereas that challenge before was we didn't have something that students were able to navigate them themselves and own that pride. And, you know, we have this group of educators coming to visit us. Actually, many of our own teachers, teachers from our district that want to see literacy in action in other schools. A lot of our principals, were you surprised by how many principals signed up? Of course not. <laughs> I was surprised. I thought like, I thought, oh, maybe we'll get one or two. We have like yeah. 13 principals that want to go and see first grade instruction at other schools. And, you know, I speak to principals. They're proud of everything that's happening at their schools. But it's sort of, it tells you how inquisitive they are about what might be happening at another school and just seeing it across town or seeing it at, you know, these principals are friends with each other. I'm going to go to my friend's school and see uh, what's happening there. And, and we have people from all over the peninsula coming to visit. Um, Nicole, what's your the thing that you hope they walk away from after they spend the day with us? I hope they walk away um, from our school feeling that they're in community with us, that yeah. no matter kind of what district they're coming from, we all have the same goal of wanting to make sure that every student that comes through our education system has accessibility and is successful. Building that connection. Exactly. So building that connection and knowing that I'm, I'm really hopeful that we'll continue to have relationships with all of, of these districts that we can continue to learn together. I think collaboration is where growth happens. Yeah. Larissa, how about you? Yeah, I think. Um, Pick something else. <laughs> Nicole picked a good one. I but think there's I more think out there. When I think about it, I think about uh, it's called a teaching practice for a yes. reason. Right. There's never yes. there's never a. Um, there's never a, I got, I'm done, I, I'm done. Yeah. You know, like there's mm -hmm. always, there's always more, there's yeah. always shifts to make. Many people would say that mine was almost like a teaching perfection, but that was, I wasn't, <laughs> I left that up to other people <laughs> as far as the overall analysis went. But I just, you know, I still felt like, like you said, it was a practice. Yeah. And I think Pam, it was last week when we were in meeting that like, it was this idea that we're not in this implementation phase where we're like, oh, we got this. It's yes. like we got it on lockdown. We're kind of in the middle of figuring it out. There's yep. still kinks that we're ironing out. There's still learning we're doing. And I think we'll probably always be doing. Um, and don't you think the visit from all these colleagues of ours is going to actually help us in that process? Absolutely. I think it addresses the vulnerability, right? The piece of, of letting people into our space takes vulnerability and, and bravery. And so we appreciate all those teachers that are opening their classrooms in a few weeks. Um, but I think that that vulnerability allows us to continue to grow too because we're releasing that judgment, like feeling like, oh, my colleague's coming in to watch me, but instead they're like, they're coming in to collaborate with me. And I think that 
that vulnerability is going to, it's, it's working in our favor. And Brene Brown would agree. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Pam, what's something you hope people leave? Well, our tagline is learning from each other. So I was thinking about the, that people leave with a sense of, I can try this too. Or I had an opportunity to share what we're doing. Um, I think that we're in the beginning of our journey. I mean, I love telling our story. I can't wait to tell our story every year for the next however many years because I know we'll continue to grow. And I want people to walk away with a sense of that it's not just something you kind of quickly put in place and then walk away. It's something that you have to support and commit to and, you know, grow. Um, and you only do it with um, teacher leaders whether you're a teacher leader from the classroom or a teacher leader as a right. TOSA and with the right system in place. A couple of days ago, we invited partners from both of our cities and from the county to come and visit three schools, Burrell, Lead, and Audubon. And we had the chief of police of Foster City, two Foster City council members, multiple San Mateo, uh, either directors of departments, the mayor, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, they were all here. CEOs of nonprofits, some of our students. We have a group called Empowering Student Voices. Some of our teenagers, they went and visited schools. And we went into a second-year teacher's classroom at Audubon. And this teacher we had visited the year before, ironically teaching math at the same time, right? We saw this teacher in, in her first year teaching math, and then we went back and saw her in her second year teaching math, which made me actually think the principal's kind of mean to take the superintendent <laughs> to a first year teacher's class. That's messed up. <laughs> but, it, but we saw this teacher and I'm actually upset with myself that I didn't video record what I saw. So this teacher is standing in the front of the room and she has multiple fraction-based math equations on the board. And she's asking the kids, who can explain to me what you think about these two math equations and how you might solve for them. And this group of 28 or so fifth grade students, they start answering and each student that gives a response, she writes their name on the board and she explains, she visually explains what they said. She had seven different responses from kids for one math problem. And, and how comfortable she was how in command she was, and uh, Miranda, our math Tosa, was there, and you know she and I had a offline conversation. She said she's just blossomed, and I think that's happening in our primary classes too, with a lot of our teachers, and it leads us to being able to host a math teachers conference in May that we're planning. We're basing it after the literacy summit <laughs> and and what i really hope happens what i hope people take away from here is they go back to their district and say we should invite everybody to come and see how we do counseling we should invite everybody to come and see how we do science how we do enrollment because we have to learn from each other that's that's the spirit of this the positions that the two of you um Put your heart and soul into every day with our teachers and our kids is about learning from each other. The theme for the district is teaching and learning for the year, and I'm excited for February 8th to get here. Um, so much more ahead, and thank you both for being on the One SMFC podcast. Thank you.